In today's show, we're talking about the Sacramento Kings with Matt George of the Locked On Kings podcast, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. It is August the 13th and that is DeMarcus Cousins' birthday. Currently unsigned. I wonder if any team will take a uh, take a flyer on Boogie for this upcoming season. But we're not here to talk about Boogie Cousins' new team. We're here to talk about his old team, the Sacramento Kings, who do have some interesting rotation decisions and some things that we need to go through. And we're going to do that with Matt George of the Locked On Kings podcast. So might as well bring him in. But before that, Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So welcome back for, I don't know. Fifth straight year, I reckon it is. Matt George is here to talk Sacramento Kings. Matt, welcome back. It's a pleasure to be with you, but is this going to be the year, Josh, that something positive happens with the Kings? I wouldn't put my money on it, but you know what? Hey, we can all dream here, right? That's uh, That is the perfect way to look at it. I'd say, like, maybe, but... If you wanted like a gun to your head, which again, I hope no one is ever putting a gun to someone's head regarding a sports opinion, um, you'd probably say no. But who knows? We could see something. There is at least a change. There's something different happening. Different doesn't always mean good. It might mean good. And we'll see how that all looks with this Sacramento team. And with all the team previews that I've done so far, we all start off by looking at the comings and goings. And I'm going to tell you, out of the six teams that I've done so far, there isn't a larger list of comings that there is for Sacramento because they brought in Kevin Herter, Malik Monk. They drafted Keegan Murray. They signed Keon Ellis. There's Chima Maniki, the Nigerian-Australian. There's Matthew Delavidova, another Aussie. There's Casey Okpala. There's Kent Bazemore. They signed Quinn Cook. A couple of those guys aren't going to make the roster, but there's a bunch of people coming in. Um, let's talk about you know, these Manikis and Delavidova, Okpala. They don't mean that much. The Herder Monk thing is really interesting to me because signing Malik Monk, okay, decent contract. He had a really good season. Um, we saw Terrence Davis play super well last season. We saw Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox in that backcourt. And okay, there's a nice little guard group there. And then they went and traded a future first-round pick for Kevin Herder. What's What was the point of all that? I think the idea behind it was basically Monty McNair approached this offseason and finally did what general managers over the last, really since Jeff Petrie in the, in the early 2000s, haven't done, which is we're going to execute a simple plan that everybody can understand, which is your two best players, De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, they're not three-point shooters. So if you are going to effectively surround them and emphasize their talent or help them as best you can. You got to surround them with three-point shooters. Essentially, that's what the Sacramento Kings went out and, and, and did. And we can also talk about, and I'm sure we might get into the the, the Mike Brown uh, hire and that more is a defensive focus versus the roster moves really seem to be more offense and, and, and game plan shooting-wise focused. But Kevin Herter brings in another element of shooting, as does Malik Monk. Uh, and I am, I'm under the understanding, Josh, that Monty looks at 
this roster is completely wide open with the exception of three spots. I mean, you have Fox, Sabonis, and Harrison Barnes that are your established three starters, assuming Harrison is going to be on the team, which I believe he will uh, come training camp. They won't move him or, or, or trade him away. The other two spots, those are open for debate, open for competition. Some think, my, like myself, believe Keegan Murray deserves one of those spots, but he's a rookie. Maybe he has to earn it beyond what he just did uh, in, in Summer League, right? And then I think the the battle between Kevin Herter and Malik Monk, some would say Terrence Davis, but I actually think – I don't think he's part of that debate or part of that battle right now. I think it's Kevin Herter and Malik Monk are going to be battling for that starting two-guard spot. And then Kevin Herter, I think, also potentially gives Sacramento some flexibility in the case that if they want to move on from Harrison midseason, which I, I personally don't think is the best idea, but we'll have to wait and see. If they want to move on from him, Kevin Herter, who has spent some time at least as a three in his career, could theoretically fill that spot. So I don't know how, how good I feel about that, but Herter gives that flexibility as well as uh, can play that three spot when the Kings want to do some smaller lineups, maybe with Fox and, and Davion Mitchell on the floor at the same time. So it adds flexibility. It definitely does that. Um, I think that part of my issue with, again, with the moves is that Keegan Murray's there and Harrison Barnes, but their actual forward size player depth, there's just nothing. Yeah, I'm not counting on Okpala or Maniki to provide any sort of rotation minutes. There is just no forwards really behind those guys. And while Herder can, I guess, at a pinch play the three, you don't want it really. Like he's undersized. His defense has improved to become okay. But if he's guarding wing players and rather than guards, it gets a little bit more iffy there. So I just think, that again, in giving up that, that asset, that first-round pick to get him when maybe there's some duplicative value with Monk and... I'm not, I'm not sure that was the best value move, but whatever. It's done. You're right. The shooting is super important. And Herder is a really good player who is going to provide some help for this team. In terms of the guys that went, DiVincenzo, Jones, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, Mo Harkless, Josh Jackson, who's the biggest loss out of that group, if anybody? I think... I think I have to say Dante DiVincenzo just because of what he potentially could be. And I actually think Dante DiVincenzo is going to be a really solid pickup. I mean, you might, you could probably speak better to this than I can, Josh, but I think Dante DiVincenzo is a really good pickup for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. I think he's taking the right gamble on himself. He's going to go to an established system where they're going to tell him exactly what to do. And he's going to perform a role that I think he can fulfill as a two-way defender, hopefully a little better shooter. I think he's an underrated rebounder uh, for his position. And I think he is going to end up getting a pretty significant, maybe not by NBA standards, but more significant than he would have gotten this offseason. He will get uh, next offseason after betting on himself with Golden State. So I like that pickup for them. I, I was surprised. I really thought he was going to be part of the Kings' long-term future, but they went and replaced him with Malik Monk and Kevin Herter, which I personally believe is an upgrade between the two of them uh, compared to DiVincenzo. But I'm also a really big fan of Damian Jones. Like, Damian Jones is a really hard worker. He's a great story. I think he's a solid pickup for the Lakers. Look, I have realistic expectations. Damian Jones is not going to come in and solve the Lakers' problems by any means, but he's a hard worker. Uh, he, he battled from a two-way contract spot to a guaranteed roster spot and actually played some pretty significant minutes and played well with all the issues with Rashawn Holmes uh, last season. So I, I like Damian Jones a lot. So he's my heart answer. The hardest one to lose is Damian, but brain answer. It's Dante DiVincenzo. As for the rest, Holiday, Lamb, Harkless, Jackson, they were all placeholders. They were. Um, I The DiVincenzo situation, I'm not going to rehash. It was pretty weird in terms of the complaints mm -hmm. he had with not starting and then reducing his qualifying offer. Then they pulled the qualifying offer anyway. So I don't know what the point of all that going around was, but a lot of that stuff is behind the scenes and it's in the past. And let's talk about some injuries because this team did have some 
injuries at the end of last season. De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis didn't play down the stretch. But I want to talk about Fox, who did hurt his shoulder really early in the season. And let's be honest, Matt, like he was pretty bad for the first three to four months of the season. I don't know if that was his shoulder. I don't know if that was petulance at the fact that Tyrese Halliburton was handling the ball and he wasn't that number one guy just on his own as the only point guard. Um, But the shoulder seemed to heal itself when Halliburton got traded. That was... Just, again, huge coincidence. And then he missed the end of the season. So we're not worried with Fox. We're not worried with Sabonis and their injuries. Rashawn Holmes had that personal issue with the domestic violence um, charge, which was thrown out, and he was cleared of all that. So he's ready to go. He had a million eye injuries as well, so he's fine. But the one that was actually injured towards the end of the season was Terrence Davis, who had that wrist surgery. Um, He was starting to put together some really good games. But as we've said, there's Monk and there's Herder and there's Mitchell, and Davis maybe is just sort of a little bit lost in that rotation after missing that uh, stretch of time. But he is healthy, I'm guessing, to start the season. Yeah, as far as we know, he's healthy. He's ready to go. Uh, the He was one of three players, including Rashawn Holmes. Uh, actually, more than that, because De'Aaron Fox was there. Uh, Davion Mitchell was there. All there for um, uh, Mike Brown's introductory press conference in Sacramento. Uh, so my belief at this point in time is that Terrence Davis's best way to crack the rotation is going to be as a backup three. Uh, and I think he and Kent Bazemore are going to be battling for that spot. I don't know if that's going to be a consistent rotational spot. I think the Kings personally are going to go more of a nine man rotation. Uh, if, and he might be like the 10th guy and eight of those 10 or eight, eight of those nine are already established um, in my opinion. So really there's a lot of battle for that ninth spot. Maybe that's Trey Lyle's spot. Maybe that can, that's Kent Bazemore's spot. Whoever wins between Quinn Cook and Matthew Delavadova, maybe that's their spot. One of the, uh, the, the Nigerian players uh, that, those answers will have to be uh, given to us or at least have some idea of that based off of training camp. But Terrence Davis, he's streaky, he's inconsistent, but he showed flashes. And in reality, Terrence Davis does a lot of what the Sacramento Kings needed after they traded Buddy Heald away and Tyrese Halliburton away uh, at the at the trade deadline. So the expectation is that Terrence Davis will have a chance, uh, but I do think at this point in time he is behind both uh, both Monk and Herter. And I will say this too, Josh, uh, to your point about De'Aaron Fox. Unfortunately for Fox's career, he's had this consistent reputation of getting off to slow starts. And that's something he and the Kings know that they can't afford like De'Aaron Fox and this Kings team have to get off to a good start this year. If they want any chance of accomplishing their playoff goals, Fox is aware of that. And what the Kings have essentially done this off season is remove all excuses that he had. And and I'll, I can tell you De'Aaron Fox came into last season. Not only was maybe he was confused with how he and Tyrese Halliburton were going to work together long-term, he was pissed off. Tyrese, or rather, De'Aaron came into last season pissed off because Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley, two guys that outwardly did not want to be here, were still on this roster. And for the second straight offseason, Monty McNair had drafted another guard. He's like, where's my help? And you could see the reaction, the embrace between Fox and Sabonis in that debut game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, which the Kings won when he finally got an all-star big to play with that he hasn't had at any point in his career. So the excuses are removed for De'Aaron. He knows that he has to perform right out of the gate. We'll get to the rotations and starting fives in just a second, Matt. But before we do that, I'm going to tell you guys about Bet Online. It is the fastest and easiest way to check on all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league. 
Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, NBA, eSports, combat sports, and even golf. And BetOnline continues to be that top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They have you covered. Matt, I'm asking people on here, what's what's your NFL team? We'll have a look at their odds for their preseason game this weekend. Who, who do you go for in the NFL? I am a sometimes bitter, sometimes joyous Las Vegas Raiders fan. So, Okay, so let's have a look. Where are the Raiders? Who are they playing in this preseason game? coming up They've got Minnesota, the yeah. Minnesota Vikings and they are three and a half point favorites if you are so inclined you can check all that information at bet online as uh we're we gonna see Derek Carr um playing this one I believe so maybe not for more than a drive or two but I believe he will be playing in this game not entirely sure though maybe we can finally see uh the, the combination of Derek Carr and uh, Devontae Adams back uh, back together again after so many years, and you can check all the odds for that over at Bet Online. So check it out, whether it is on the website or your mobile device. Learn more about the action that's happening today. Bet Online is where the game starts. Matt, you're starting five. You hinted at it before. What is it? What do you think is going to be opening night starting five? De'Aaron Fox at the one. I think Kevin Herter is going to win the battle between Herter and Monk at the two for a couple of reasons. One, Herter has more. I guess, long-term success and experience as a starter with his time with Atlanta. And I also think defense is going to give a slight edge. And at this point in time, I trust Herter's defense a little more than I trust Malik Monk's defense, but that's a complete toss-up to me. But Herter's the guy that I would pick today. Uh, Harrison Barnes at the three. I know some think the four is his natural position, but they're keeping him there in order to bring Keegan Murray in at the four spot. Look, you drafted uh, Keegan Murray. One of the big reasons why you drafted him is his, his ability to make an immediate impact. So, have him make an immediate impact as a starter. I think he can come in and and make a solid impact opening night for the Kings without having to do too much, kind of like what he showed uh, in summer league. And then, of course, DeMontis Sabonis playing the five, uh, which I think is going to be his his primary established position throughout the entire time that he's here in Sacramento. The let's, I'm going to talk about Murray a little bit here. Um, he was great in summer league, obviously put up big numbers. But as I said prior to summer league and at the end of summer league, he was in a situation where there was just no other real rotation players on that team. So you wanted him to be good, and he was going to get every opportunity to be good with really high usage, and he did it at high efficiency, and that's awesome. How does he sort of slot in as not being the number one guy now, where he was at Iowa, he was in Summer League, where Fox and Sabonis are going to be um, monopolizing, I guess, that offensive opportunity, and he slides in as probably... Look, honestly, you could make that argument out of that group, that he might be the fifth offensive option or he might be the third. Like Herder and Barnes, they're not slouches offensive. They're going to get their shots and they're going to be efficient at it. So how does Murray fit in and you know, should expectations be tempered versus what we saw in Summer League where he was the guy driving everything, whereas here he slides in to be a real complementary piece? Well, let, let's put it this way. I don't expect Keegan Murray to come in and, and score 20 points in all but one game like he did in, in Summer League. Um, but one of the things I know, I watched every single one of uh, Keegan's summer league games. Most of them I watched in person. And I was actually frustrated at times, believe it or not, with the, you, you mentioned the high usage rate, which is true, but that team for Keegan being the above and beyond best player on that team, they didn't run a lot of sets for Keegan. He kind of scored and, and did a lot of his work in the flow of the offense, which to me was exciting because that's what you can see translating right away uh, to the NBA playing with the starters, right? Yep. De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Amonis are going to draw so much of a crowd that Keegan is going to get opportunity on the perimeter. And he showed a lot of that in his time at summer league. So I think that can, he can effortlessly fit in there. Plus I already consider Keegan Murray to be one of the better defenders on the Kings, which 
could be scary, could also not be, it really isn't saying much based off how woefully bad the Kings have been defensively over the last 16 years. So maybe that's not a, a massive deal, but I don't think expectations need to be tampered too much. Cause, cause look, Keegan is a player that you, like I said earlier, you drafted with the, the belief that, I mean, Monty McNair believed he was the best player at that spot and only time will tell with that. But they also believe that he can make the most immediate impact and ultimately help this team of accomplishing their immediate goals. I think Keegan Murray naturally fits in Sacramento's offense right away. So you don't need to plug him in and ask too much of a rookie to figure out the NBA game and, and put the ball in his hands every single possession and tell him, go, 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 like you might see from Paolo in Orlando or, or Chet in Oklahoma City. So I think it's a, a natural fit for him. And like, welcome to the NBA, kid. Thrown into the fire. Hopefully you don't burn. I've got him projected as the third highest usage out of that group, but again, I could see him fourth or fifth depending on how they run things. But I do think that he'll sort of sit in that in that third spot and be that guy, as you said, that can cut to the rim and can hit those spot up shots and just get those shots when they're provided by Fox and Sabonis. In terms of your bench rotation group, we talked already about these guys. You've got Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, Terrence Davis, Trey Lyles, Rashawn Holmes, with some you know, debate whether they go at nine or ten, and Davis and Lyles is the one who misses out. But I do want to talk Davion Mitchell who amazingly, Matt, played 28 minutes a game last season and played just an absolute ton down the stretch. Um, That 28 minutes a night is a lot. He had some shooting struggles, which we all expected him to have. Do you think he plays fewer minutes this season? I think so by necessity. And and what I mean by that is I think compared to last season, the Sacramento Kings are in a position now where they can get away with that. Last season, I mean, they needed all 28 and probably more from uh, from Don or rather Davion Mitchell, especially down the stretch. And Davion, what he showed down the stretch is this offensive ability that you hope he has on a winning team consistently, right? And can Davion provide that offense with the second unit off the bench when Fox is out of the game? Or can Davion p- play a six-man role, maybe share some time with De'Aaron, maybe it's a closing lineup. Davion and De'Aaron are on the floor together. Can Davion be an effective offensive weapon, especially on the perimeter? We know that he can push the ball in transition. In fact, he said that that's the way he likes to play. And can he and De'Aaron become some sort of competent? I mean, we know Davion is, but can De'Aaron match his energy and intensity as a perimeter defender? Maybe we see that in the closing lineup a little bit more. Um, I could also make an argument for Malik Monk having a good opportunity to, to take that six-man spot, uh, spot just as a primary score role off the bench if he doesn't end up winning the starter spot. Uh, so I think the Kings are going to lean heavily on Davion this year, but Minutes-wise, probably drops slightly just because there are so many legitimate players on this roster that need to play. Um, And, of course, De'Aaron Fox being the main one who's going to snatch the minutes away from Davion. Yeah, that's sort of how I see it as well, that like he won't get as much like he was playing 38 minutes a night for the last month and a half of the season, I think it was, or at least the last month of the season, and putting up some really good numbers, but that opportunity is just probably not going to be there unless there is just a catastrophic run of injuries uh, with this team. We've taught Kegamari already in terms of a focus on youth, but Keon Ellis, they got him into a two-way deal. Just a quick five seconds on Keon. Do you think that there's a chance that he can be a guy that you know, converts from a two-way to a real contract either after this season or some point in the future? This year, no. In the future, yes. And I, I would also put Nemeas Keda into that group as well. I think both Keda and Ellis provide something that this Kings team needs. And I think one of the reasons why Keon might have chose to sign with the Sacramento Kings after going undrafted is because he recognizes the lack of wing depth on this team and the necessity or the, just the need for the 
wing defense that Keon provides. So I do think he will have an opportunity here in Sacramento, but with the roster and the expectations this year, let's put it this way. If the Kings are hoping for more from Keon Ellis this year, maybe things aren't going too well. Yeah, that's that, or, or he's just turned into an absolutely unbelievable player, but I reckon the, uh, the former there might be, might be the way to go. We've touched on this already, Matt. Why does De'Aaron Fox start to play well in March? Like what, what's, why, why is it? Okay, why does he start to play well in March, or why is he so bad to start the season? What's the issue there? Uh, we know that he was pissed off. We talked about that already coming into last season. But even the year before, he had some early struggles and then flew home in March with some big numbers. What is it, and how is it can be? How can it be corrected? It's a great question. Um, I, I don't know if I can point to any one thing in particular. It's almost like the same way a lot of established NBA playoff teams and teams that make deep runs start ramping up towards December and, and January. That's almost the mindset that Fox has, but he has it on a bad team. Like if, if Sacramento this year is going to compete with those teams and have a chance at a playoff spot, not just a play in, but a playoff spot, which is their goal. They have to get going when those other teams are still ramping up. If they're five games under 500 or more by December, January, even if De'Aaron does take his game to the next level, so is everybody else. So it ultimately doesn't matter, or it, it, you're just making the, the the climb more difficult for yourself. I don't know if it's a mental thing with De'Aaron. I don't know. It's not that he's come into the regular season ever out of shape. Last season, he actually kind of came in with too much muscle mass, which slowed him down. He kind of cut some of that off and got his speed back uh, a little bit from what we saw. So it's never a question of Fox's work ethic or anything like that. But it, it just, it absolutely can't happen. And Fox is capable of putting up those big numbers. The one thing I will say, Josh, this year is the last few years, the Kings have needed De'Aaron to be a 30 plus point per game scorer for them to have really any chance. This year, they can get away, in my mind, with De'Aaron being a overall solid 27. 26 points per game player and on the nights where he does struggle Sabonis and others step up and really take his uh, take their games to the next level there so that's my expectation what about two center lineups I've seen yeah I I trawl through fan forums and reddits and twitters and instagrams and all that sort of stuff and I see Kings fans going oh we'll, we'll just we'll just you know Keegan will come off the bench and we'll start Holmes and Sabonis together yeah Sabonis he plays the four and I just, I, I cringe and I shudder when I see it but Will we, will we see Sabonis and Holmes play? Because they've, they've still got a lot of center on this roster. Alex Len is still on this roster. And as you said, Cater is there as a two-way center as well. Will we see Holmes and Sabonis play together? Not if we want it to make sense. <laughs> That's the best way that I, I can sum it up. Look, I think Rashawn Holmes is actually a really valuable weapon for Sacramento off the bench. I think because we, we saw Sabonis get into a fair amount of foul trouble early on. Um, with his time with the Sacramento Kings, and it's going to happen. He's going to get in foul trouble early, and what you don't want is your backup center to come in and for there to be a steep drop-off. I'm a fan of Alex Len, but if Alex Len comes into the game after DeMontis Sabonis exits with foul trouble, you're losing a lot, right? And I'm not saying Rashawn Holmes is up to the level of DeMontis Sabonis, but I think Rashawn can come in, provide something for you offensively. He can re rebound. He can protect the rim. Uh, so overall, I like what Rashawn Holmes is capable of bringing off the bench, if Rashawn and Sabonis ever play together, you better be confident that one of them can shoot in the high 30s from three-point land, and I don't expect that at all. So that's that's not my personal expectation. I've just seen that my camera has disappeared, so I'm just going to try and fix that, Matt. I'm just going to pause it, but people, you're watching this, you won't know that, but let's just fix, fix his camera up. 
problem solved eventually. I'm back. I'm live. I'm moving. Matt, apart from signing players from the Nigerian national team, what does Mike Brown bring as a new coach that is different from what we've seen in previous seasons? Well, I think the clear expectation behind Mike Brown is just defense, 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 defense. And that's very needed. That's very appreciated. I also worry that the Kings are putting too much faith in a coach to solve a player issue. And the, I mean, I, I believe if anybody can get this team to buy in, if anybody's going to come in with the respect and reputation to get players to buy in, it's going to be Mike Brown, right? Like, who else do you want if you're a player at that point in time? He's very well-liked, very well-respected. Uh, it was very much involved in, in the defensive philosophies with the Golden State Warriors, uh, plus had his time in, in Cleveland with LeBron. So he definitely has the respect of the locker room, but Will the players respond to him, for lack of a better term, grabbing a Sabonis or Fox by the collar and saying, we need you to step up defensively. You're not giving your all. Uh, and that's something that I'm not just talking about those two guys, like I'm calling them out for bad defense. It's roster wide, with the exception really of Davion Mitchell. Sacramento is atrocious defensively and they fall into bad habits. And if they buy in defensively, we'll see it for a handful of games or a few weeks at the beginning of the season. Then they get punched in the mouth and by December it's gone and they're a terrible defensive team again. So Mike Brown comes in and the Kings are relying on him, heavily relying on him to fix the just piss poor defensive identity that this team has had for the better part of two decades. I hope he's up for the challenge because it's certainly going to be a challenge. Yeah, it is. But he does have that reputation and we'll see how it goes. He hasn't been a head coach for a while, um, but they, they obviously need to change defensively because it's just been a consistent theme of how poor they are on that end and the, the players aren't always there, but he needs to get the ones that are there to, to make improvements and to buy in a little bit more. What about a breakout candidate on this team, Matt? Oh, I the stupid obvious answer every single year is De'Aaron in the sense that We've seen Fox put up good numbers, but will he put up good numbers on a winning team? Like that's what translates to him making an all-star team. That's what translates to him maybe winning a most improved player award. Like that's what needs to happen. And, and, and so the breakout doesn't necessarily become or come from Fox in his individual stats. The breakout comes in, in him putting up similar or better numbers on a team that's actually winning uh, at least half of their games, right? So I honestly think Keegan Murray Two can be a breakout player for this team. Like I, I, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't put him as a favorite to win rookie of the year after seeing Paolo Bancaro in, in person and just imagining the ridiculous numbers he's going to put up on a bad Orlando Magic team. But I think Keegan Murray is going to be a good player on hopefully a good basketball team right away. I really think that's possible. And I think Malik Monk, especially if he's coming in off the bench, I think Malik Monk has a chance to be both a breakout player and maybe a six man of the year candidate if he can be that microwave scoring flamethrower and reunite that Kentucky exciting backcourt with De'Aaron Fox at times. Um, so there there are some names that I can make an argument for, but really, as as it, even with DeMontis Sabonis here, as the saying goes, the Kings are only going to go as far as De'Aaron Fox takes them. What about the other side of things? What about someone who might regress this season? Wow, that's a that's a great question. I don't like to think about this in a negative way. My gut reaction almost is Harrison Barnes, but I, I want to clap back on that because Harrison's in a contract year, and a lot of times we see players kind of step up their games a little bit in a contract year. Um, so I, I'll, I'll take that off the table. Maybe 
maybe uh, it's like a lesser known player or a player with less significance or less importance. Maybe it's a Rashawn Holmes. Maybe that, that bench role really does not, um, does not benefit him, or maybe he doesn't fully buy into it since he had time as a starter and, and Samantha Savonis came in and took that spot for him. Although I do think Rashawn is going to give his all regardless of the position that he's in. Maybe it's Terrence Davis not carving out a defined role. It might even be Kevin Herter. Maybe Kevin yeah. Herter starts at the two spot and it just doesn't work out or it's not as seamless as the Sacramento Kings thought it would be. And maybe Malik Monks ends up taking that spot from him or Herter starts the season coming off the bench. And that's just not an optimized role for him. So could be any one of those guys. I don't think a, a major piece of the Kings, a Fox, a Sabonis, a Keegan Murray, I don't think they're going to regress. No, I, I don't either with them. I think the Holmes one, he struggled obviously last season and then struggled even in that bench role. So that's that's a potential one. What about this question, which I'm asking all of the guys coming on? Is this team better than they were last season? Absolutely. Yes, they are. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> like they, Like to me... And, and Josh, you might roll your eyes at this, and I know a lot of your listeners might as well, and that's that's okay because that's what the expectation is in Sacramento. This team, you look at this roster, how it's constructed, and the idea that this team can't be 10th best in the Western Conference doesn't – I can't fathom that. Like, we've seen this team criminally underperform in the past. If this roster, the way it's constructed right now, does not find a way to be in the top two-thirds of the freaking NBA, like, it's such a low bar – then we're talking colossal failure at that point and people are losing jobs and maybe the De'Aaron Fox experiment is over. Maybe the DeMontis Sabonis experiment is over before it even got started. Maybe it's a fire sale at the trade deadline. I have no idea. But the I can't fathom the idea of this not being a play-in team. Now, playoffs, that's a completely different story. Get to the play-in first, I guess, if you, before you, you start talking about playoffs. But ultimately, the goal here for the Sacramento Kings that they very publicly state, set for themselves is that the Kings will be taking place or taking part in a best-of-seven series at some point uh, in May. So that's the bar that we hold them to. I agree. They are better. What, what that means, I don't know. But again, when you look at it realistically, like they should be able to get into that play-in team. But how many times have we said that, Matt? How many times have we said, yeah, they can push for that eight seed or that nine seed or get there, and then something inevitably goes wrong somewhere along the line. So again, we, we really need to see it. But maybe, maybe this is the year. I know Kings fans all hope it is. It very well could be. The pieces are all there and things are all in place for that to be a realistic chance. Now, who is the most likely player on this team to be traded? I think it's Harrison Barnes uh, at this point in time. And and I, I've i always been hesitant, Josh, with moving Harrison, even if it's maybe good asset management because there's a decent chance that you're going to lose Harrison at the end of the year. I wonder I, – I just – the Kings are so light at wing depth to begin with, but that's been an, uh, an issue with this team forever. Like wing depth for the Sacramento Kings has been a problem since the beginning of time, it feels like. So if you're trading Harrison Barnes away, you're trying to trade him for someone who plays his position, who's younger, who's on a better contract, or at least a longer contract that you'll have control over. And who also isn't going to make your team that much worse. You're trying to improve this year. It doesn't make sense to trade Harrison Barnes away, even if it's better asset management, to get a player that can't perform to the level that Harrison Barnes could perform for you in your starting lineup. So I don't know what Harrison Barnes trade is out there. And I think the Kings have a better chance of finding a opportune one at the t trade deadline more than they do right now. But I, I think the Kings, what they need in so many ways, Harrison provides that you have to almost run the risk of losing him and hope that you can do so much this year that he decides, hey, you know what? I like what we're doing here. I think we're we're very close, or I think this is a playoff team now. I want to ride with this with this group. I think that maybe that might be where they're gambling on. 
I think the Harrison Barnes trade should have happened two years ago when you could have probably got more value out of it. You weren't actually going anywhere, but you're right. Like They're so desperate for forwards. Like In the last couple of years when he had two years left and they weren't making the playoffs and teams were desperate for that play, you could have got a real haul. But yeah, as a two-month rental at the trade deadline, what are you getting for Harrison Barnes? And then you're theoretically pushing for the play-in and playoffs anyway, and he's super valuable for you. I just don't think that that would make sense. But, you know, as Matt... I know you're you're a, you're a Kings fan, but like the, how many times we've we said that move doesn't make sense, and that's what the Kings have done. That's what their brand has been so often. So who knows what happens? I think Rashawn Holmes is probably a guy that they can probably afford to lose a little bit more with some of that depth there with Len and Kader, and the fact that may, he's under contract for a longer period of time. Maybe you get something back that has a little bit of value in uh, in dealing him. Now, the fun part to end the show, Matt. We've got a quiz. And I go through all of these things. Um, these are some talent grades that are on the website Basketball Index. So it's not who is the best three-point shooter. It's you know, what's the best three-point shooting talent, which takes into consideration volume and difficulty, pull-up self-creation, um, not just pure percentage. And the same with playmaking. It's not who has the most assists, who's creating opportunities for others, who's getting with that volume and versatility of their passes and finishing. It's not like how many offensive rebounds do you get for putbacks and what's your percentage at the rim. It's like difficulty and drives and finishing through contact and all that sort of stuff. So it's basically, I want to try and marry these stats up to what someone who covers the team views as if I just ask the question, who's the best on this team at this particular skill? Let's see if it, if it works out. Now, the problem with the Kings is is the guys who graded out with the highest in this three-point shooting talent last season, the top two of those guys aren't on this team anymore because they traded away all their three-point shooters in Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald. So for the players who ended the season on the Sacramento Kings, Matt, who do you think was who graded out has the best three-point shooting talent on this roster. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Terrence Davis. This was a, again, the top 2 were wildly ahead, Buddy Heald and Halliburton are miles ahead. It actually graded out as Harrison Barnes, which oh. he had a pretty good shooting season. He's definitely not a lead and the volume's not particularly huge, but he did shoot the ball pretty well, so he graded out as the best three-point shooting talent. But again, he probably won't be this season because they've brought in Herder and Monk and even Keegan Murray to a degree to try and fill some of that role. What about playmaking? Who do you think is the graded as the best playmaker on this team? And it was based off of the roster the Kings ended last season with, right? Yeah, just all, all the players who are on the roster at the end of last season, what, what their value was over the course of this season for their time they were in Sacramento. I'm going to... If I'm misunderstanding the correct uh, the the question or the explanation, I apologize. But I think, at least for this upcoming season, the expectation is for that to be Demontis Sabonis. So I'll say Sabonis. It was actually Fox, and I tell you that the reason why Sabonis gets a lot of assists, but he doesn't. This is how I view this this grade in the way that they're they're not particularly. He does a lot of like dribble handoff stuff rather than the you know, drive and push with a cross-court pass or that sort of stuff. And that gets graded a little bit higher and hitting guys up for corner threes and finishing at the rim where Sabonis gets a lot of assists, but there are a lot of like the small little dump-off passes to get him that way. So they did grade uh, Fox out highest. And this is a it's an interesting one. What about finishing? Who's the best rim finisher do you think they would have graded out on this team? Getting to the rim, volume, difficulty of shots, how they go in. I feel like the obvious answer is De'Aaron Fox, but I'm about to be 0 for 3. So, you know, I'll just stick with the obvious answer that is De'Aaron, although I expect it to be wrong. You are correct. It is De'Aaron oh, Fox. There you go. Okay. You, got, you got, got it right. De'Aaron Fox um, heads in there as the best finisher on the team. Now, this next quiz question, I don't expect you to get right, but it's something that I found pretty weird, and I want to uh, I want to bring it up and see how you go. Harrison Barnes has played 235 games for the Sacramento Kings. 
In those 235 games, Matt, how many shots has he blocked? Oh, God. You know, it's hilarious. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine off the air, and we were saying, have we ever seen Harrison Barnes block a shot? We were literally just talking about this, and I didn't look up the numbers, and I should have. It's got to be single digits. I'm going to go, like, two. I don't remember a single Harrison Barnes block. I'm going to say two. two. In two blocks in 235 games. The number is very low. It's not quite two. He has blocked 39 shots, which That's is pretty good, actually. <laughs> for a 6'9 power forward, whatever it is, it is a putridly low number. But you're right. He just doesn't do it. Like, he just does not. I think he averaged 0.1 or 0.2 blocks per game last season. It is it is comical how bad, how, how good a defender he is, but how often he blocks shots is just never. And I thought that was just a very interesting number to bring up. I'm going to go as far as to say I, probably half of those are are kindly given by the Sacramento Kings stat decisions at a home game. Because I, I honestly, you, I couldn't tell you a single time that I remember Harrison Barnes blocking a shot. Not a single time. Now, I'm going to have a look. I'm going to see, because I know on um, basketball reference, you can look to see how the split is between home and road. Um, let's have a look and see, see what I can find there in terms of his... Um, because he does get deflections, like, but that's deflected passes. That's not yeah. shot. All right. Let's. Yep. Where is he? Home road. Where is the home road splits here? This is great podcasting. All right. Oh, it's only got his home road splits for his career, not necessarily for Sacramento. But he does have more blocks at home versus on the road. So there you go. So that leads a little bit of credence to uh, to your theory there. Matt, thank you for coming on and chatting about the Kings with me. Tell everyone what you're doing over at Locked on Kings and what you've got for people coming up. Well, we've recovered from all the drinking that we did last season to hopefully expect a, a good season this year. We try and have as much fun as possible. As you know, Josh, this is the dog days of the offseason, but really we're gearing up for what we expect to be a very interesting, if nothing else, training camp. There are going to be a lot of training camp battles. I actually have a series of individual training camp battles that we're going to break down in early September. That's coming to Locked On Kings. Uh, and look, the expectation is that this Kings team is going to be better. In reality, they need to be better. Um, so I think the Kings have a chance to be a breakout team that are maybe a fun league pass team for everybody. So if you have interest in the Kings at any time over the course of this year, uh, feel free to, to tune into locked on Kings. And I just want to cover postseason basketball, Josh, just please make it happen. I reckon you might get a chance at it this season, but you're right. They're going to be exciting. Fox, Sabonis, just to see what Keegan Murray is going to do. He's going to be really interesting for this team. So check out all the Kings action that you can, of course, over at locked on Kings, Matt, thanks for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure, Josh. Hope you're well. And that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.